Hello, folks. I just want to say thanks once again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. This is a Canadian-based podcast telling the many stories of the leaders and organizations encompassing cannabis legalization. Before we begin today, a quick shout out to our sponsor, Harvest Medicine. They're a patient-centric clinic which offers free medical assessments for people looking to explore how medical cannabis can help improve their lives. To learn more and to book your free consultation with Harvest Medicine, visit hmed.ca. That's h-m-e-d.ca. And hey, if you have a business and you'd like to reach all the people who listen to Canadian Cannabis Update, email me at canadiancannabisupdate at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at cancannabis. Can update. That's at C-A-N-C-A-N-N update. Well, some might call her an icon, maybe even a bit of a rock star. She's known as Abby Roach, and she was publicly advocating for cannabis rights back when many listeners her age were still sneaking pot in their parents' basement. Abby is all over the internet. She's been interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of times before she sat down with me for this. So I took this one as a bit of a challenge. I tried to ask Abby questions that she's not normally faced with. It's a bit of a look into the person herself. Now, I was excited to get this interview, and I'm even more excited to present it now that it's complete. So let's jump in. Enjoy. Today we have Abby Roach on the podcast. I just want to say welcome, Abby. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Um, So we didn't have a lot of prep time for this one. We actually rescheduled it earlier, so it looks like we're just going to go for it. But you said you'd like to go for it. You just like to do it that way. Is that right? Spontaneity. It's a good thing. I've been doing interviews for almost 20 years, so I'm I'm pretty good. You ask me a question, I I like to just give you original answers. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's funny. There is no shortage of resources on you. You're all over the internet. So, um, you know, I took a little time. I watched some interview videos. I listened to a couple podcasts. I read a few magazine articles. I'm like, okay, I think I'm getting this, but there's definitely a lot of Abbey Roach content online. Yes, I can't hide. (laughs) All right. Um, Let's start off by asking you, how would you describe yourself? I looked at some of your social media pages, and you have a variety of uh, different organizations that you're involved with. So what would you say that you are? I'm a chronic entrepreneur. You know, I always say, you know, I just gave this answer to someone else. It's like some people are born to be mathematicians. Some people are born to be doctors. I was born to run crazy businesses and have wild ideas and just make them happen. It's what That's my passion. So okay. I think that's that's what I would say, chronic entrepreneur. And what are some of the businesses that you're involved with? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, right now, what do I have going on? So I have Hotbox Holdings, which mm-hmm. underneath it is actually four uh, companies and brands. So there's Hotbox, which is a lounge and a shop, and it will be sort of our urban expansion uh, retail brand. There's a new brand called The Good Grass, which is sort of a more family-friendly neighborhood kind of suburban hotbox. So it's not for, I wouldn't say it's for a new user. It's more for, you know, people who live in like a, you know, Danforth area. And then now uh, we have um, a company called Nirvana, which is a U.S. arm, and it's also our our product manufacturing company that we just merged with. And then we also have Hotbox Jamaica, which is in Jamaica. So it's a bed and breakfast, and then we're going to be expanding into herb um, houses. And then I also run Hotbox Homegrown Hydroponics, which is a retail um, 
joint venture with uh, Homegrown Hydroponics. And what else do I have? Um, so I do that. I run what we call Splice Media. So it's sort of like all our media stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we're designing products, as I said. And then I am the executive chair of uh, Normal Canada starting oh. this tomorrow, actually. And then um, I am also director of Okra, which is the Ontario uh, Consumer Cannabis Consumer and Retail Alliance. I'm also uh, a director of the CFDA, which is now a part of Okra, and uh, we ran the Sensible Ontario campaign. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I sit through that <laughs> listing and I think to myself, man, I, I just got like nothing going on in my life. Clearly, <laughs> I'm so insignificant. <laughs> obviously, yeah, I, I think it's crazy. I'll have to go back yeah. and speed that up, make it like ten minutes of all these things you're doing down to like. And that's minutes. just now. So these things wow. that I've done in the past too. But this is what I'm doing right now. But you know, I've spent the last essentially my entire life pretty much I've been serving the cannabis consumer without except for maybe you know slinging a little dope on the side as a kid mm-hmm. you know I, I never actually really sold cannabis so I've always you know I started out making hemp jewelry and selling it on the street in concerts right so when I was a teenager and then from there you know I did all kinds of uh, little things, and I opened up Rotorama, which is the head shop, which is now Hotbox. Um, and then we've essentially spent the last 18 years just coming up with different concepts and different ideas that we had. A, we had a Hotbox after dark cannabis scene nightclub yeah. where you could consume cannabis, but you didn't sell cannabis. It was super fun. Um, we've had, like, a furniture shop that was, like, an Jeez. antique store for, like, for potheads. Anyways... It's just, I, I just think up of crazy things when I just do them. Yeah, you've done it all. Some okay. of them work, some don't. Some work, some don't. <laughs> um, I'm going to hit you with a really tough question now, if that's okay. You okay. ready for this? Oh my God, so ready. Abby Roach, is that your real name? No, no, of course not. <laughs> it's my Madonna name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a friend whose last name is uh, Roach and a good mm-hmm. friend, and he's kind of a cannabis guy too, so I know it's possible. Would you like me to tell you the story? It's like a two-second thing. I'd love to hear it. Okay, so when I first came to Canada in 1989, I moved from Israel. I have my full name is very uh, Israeli, mm-hmm. and uh, my last name, I'm not going to say it, but my father and I are the only people in all of Canada with that last name. So when I moved here, I didn't know how to spell, I didn't speak any English, I was 10 years old. Um, nobody could say my name, and it was driving me nuts. And my favorite album at the time was Abbey Road. My mom bought it for me, The Beatles, and I, I would listen to it on my Walkman over and over again. And um, I was like, Abby, that's pretty close to my name. So right. I went with Abby, but I didn't know how to spell, so I went A-B-I. So I've been Abby since I was 10. <laughs> oh. And then when I opened up my store, um, it was called Rotorama, and I, I didn't, at the time, there was no cell phone. There was only the white pages. So Mm -hmm. if you wanted to find me or my father, you could find us just by looking up our last name. And I I wasn't really into it. I was like, I don't want everybody to know where I live. You know what I mean? It was Mm -hmm. weird. So uh, there's a a band in Kensington called Bunch of Effing Goose. And everybody that's in the band, their last name is Goose. So I know like (laughs) 10 dudes named Goose. And I was like, I'll just do that. I'll take the name of my store and I'll attach it to my uh, to my name, and I'll be Abby Roach. And I've been Abby Roach for almost 20 years. Wow. Okay. That's a, yeah. That is a great story. Uh, I'll yeah. give you that. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to give you another tough question. Are you ready for this one? Oh, my God. Tell us something about yourself that has nothing to do with cannabis. Oh, my God. I love Briards, the dog, Briards. Okay. They're amazing. I've had one? two of them. Ah. 
So I love that. That's got nothing to do with weed. I love Kensington Market. That's okay. like my hood. I've lived here since 1997. And uh, yeah, it's like, this is it. This is my, one of my second passion is my, my community and my neighborhood. I'm actually an elected city of Toronto official for the neighborhood of Kensington Market. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, you obviously live yeah. in Kensington Market now. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Israel, in Haifa, and then I moved up to uh, to Canada in 1989. My dad got a job here, and the family packed up, and we moved here. And uh, then they moved me up to what, I, what they call Little Israel, Bathers and Steel. Mm. And uh, I lived there for, uh, you know, until I was 18, and I came down to Kensington. Okay. Uh, back when they had white pages and not cell phones? Yeah, not <laughs> cell phones back then. What's your parents' perspective on cannabis and your involvement with cannabis? Um, it's kind of funny. So the I remember when I was a teenager, I went to go see Pink Floyd. And mm-hmm. my mom said to me the next day, she said, oh, my friend went to the Pink Floyd concert. And she said a lot of people were, were smoking marijuana at the Pink Floyd concert. Did you? And I was like, well, yeah, it's Pink Floyd. <laughs> and that was my coming out when I was a teenager to my mom. And then when I opened my store, you know, every, it wasn't just them, but everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to open a store that sells like bongs and pipes. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Because 20 years ago, that didn't really exist. There were only two stores like that. And uh, they were still getting raided, right? Right. Um, everybody thought I was nuts. But <laughs> it's interesting, that, you know, over the years, my, my parents were very conservative, sort of, you know, Israeli, like, right-wingers. They voted for Harper. My dad loved Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that kind of, like, person, right? And uh, over the years, they really, they really learned to accept cannabis as a part of life. And uh, my sister married a, a, a man who loves cannabis and grows his own cannabis. And now, now that it's legal, my mom is 68, and she belongs to this, like, art guild. And the other day, we're sitting and having lunch, and she said, oh, all the ladies at my art guild all are on, like, CBD, or they mm-hmm. or they use it, like, medicinally, right? So yeah. now that it, it's more acceptable to come out, all of a sudden, my mom is super cool because I'm her kid. Right. No, that, okay. You know, it's funny. I, I do a podcast, a very, very conservative podcast about cannabis legalization, and I get those kind of comments. I can only imagine opening up shops with paraphernalia and stuff 20 years mm-hmm. ago. You know what I mean? It must have been a major uphill battle for you. You know what? At the time, it wasn't because it didn't exist. So there wasn't really a battle because there was no fight. Nobody knew. Nobody even understood mm. what I was doing, right? They just didn't get it. They're like, what do you mean? Like, what is this? So there was no battle. I didn't actually have any real battle until 2012. Okay. Who would, would you say is the first person that introduced you to cannabis? Um, the first person. You don't have to name names, of course. No, I don't even know his name. I was at a Black Crows concert in 1992. <laughs> a lot of we um, there. In G. Ross Lord Park, I was 13 years old, and uh, this hippie guy was, like, dancing around, and he was like, you want some of this dude? And I was like, yeah. And I I had my first little puff, and that was my introduction. And then from there, um, when I used to vend on the street, um, I used to sell jewelry on the street. I had met um, a woman named Macaroni Hemp Jewelry, mm-hmm. and Robin Ellis, who now owns a friendly stranger. Um, so we met each other. I met Robin when I was a kid. I was probably like 14 when I met him. And he taught me a lot, about, and Amy did as well, about hemp and the benefits of hemp. So there's a lot that I learned from, from people who are now, you know, someone that I, I work with and I respect a lot still. 
Okay. And I noticed that uh, you had a bio somewhere online. You've got everything online, by the way. Um, said that you studied <laughs> audio engineering at one point. So did I. Um, what was your What was your ambition there? Did you want to make techno or something like that? I wanted to be like Missy Elliott. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that, that was my dream. But uh, yeah, music is one of my, my passions. And uh, I really loved it. I went to Trevis Institute and I realized oh, yeah. I was the only woman in the class of 40 men. And it wasn't, it wasn't that they stopped me. I just found them really annoying. I was like, ah, mm. like, if I have to put up with this right now, you know what I mean? I can't imagine the rest of my life. And I left and I took got music management instead, but I still know how to mic up uh, a studio. You got the basics, you know, how to wrap cables, that sort of stuff. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's day one of class, I think. Um, let's change gears a bit here and talk a bit about uh, lounges now. Now that we know who you are. Now, you run uh, what I read was Canada's longest running cannabis lounge. Is that correct? North America. North America's? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Now, when did you open it and walk me through the evolution of it? Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to give you those short of the long. You told me to just open up. So I'm like, I'm giving you everything. Do it. <laughs> so I had the, the retail store and uh, I was sharing my building. I had gone to Vancouver and I had visited a place called Blunt Brothers, which burnt down and is now moved and is the Amsterdam Cafe. They're technically the first, but now they're I'm the longest running. Okay. So I went there and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like you can just walk in here, bring your own weed, sit down. Right. I, I just thought it was mind blowing. And then I'd gone to Jamaica and I was like, wow, you can just see, sit on the beach, light up a spliff and nobody even cares. You could buy weed anywhere. And it's just a normal part of life. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I, uh, I told the, the dudes in the back that I was sharing the building with, if you guys want to move out, just give me some time. And right. Of course, they didn't give me any time. They gave me two weeks notice and I had to take over this huge building. It was 2000 square feet and I had to fill it up with something. So I took out a, a $2,000 Ikea card and a $500 Home Depot card, and I opened uh, a lounge. And uh, at the time, it was much, much easier to get a city license than it is now. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But uh, my friends helped me out, and we, we built this thing. And it was interesting, because the day that before we opened, we were going to do it anyways, but a court decision had come through where the possession of cannabis in Ontario mm-hmm. was essentially null and void. Um, there was a case and the judge had, had ruled that you can't have a medical system, right? Uh, you can't have a medical um, ruling for one person, a medical law, and, and not actually change the law for everybody, okay. right? So um, possession became legal. So the day that we opened, we were technically a legal business, and we technically still are, funny enough. So now the evolution has just been, you know, growing that lounge and uh, creating a community. And, uh, you know, last night we had a, our, our Halloween karaoke night. And I was looking at the crowd that came and it was so diverse. We had, you know, we had people of every color, every race, every age group, you know, all walks of life, guys in suits, you know, dudes that like work in banks, uh, you know, like uh, punk guys. We have, a, a you know, a young man who's paraplegic that we're, you know, a huge part of his life, and he, like, sang, like, five songs, right? Like, amazing, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to the politicians, they don't understand the necessity of having these places that exist. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I I see it in people's faces, the changes that we, you know, the change that we give them by giving them a place to consume with other people um, is huge. 
So to some, that might not mean a lot, but I know to the people that are there, it means everything. Right. And you know, um, I obviously, a lot of stigma still exists, but I think now that um, cannabis is legal, and as we we're approaching it, I noticed at different cannabis trade shows here in Calgary, uh, that the demographics were definitely growing over the last year or two. I think people are starting to become a little bit more comfortable coming out of the closet about, mm-hmm. you know, and talking about it and shopping and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's nice to see. So same thing, I guess, in your lounge. Yeah, and and to make commentary about that, you know, you you hear about all these companies that are focusing on a new user. So my belief is that you know there's going to be a certain amount of new users, mm-hmm. but I think that the big change is going to be the people coming out of the closet. Yeah. So uh, a lot in the same way that the gay community, you know, there weren't less gay people 20 yeah. or 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They they just weren't out about it, right? It's yeah. like there was the same amount of gay people then. And the same with cannabis consumers. It's the same amount of cannabis consumers, but now they're comfortable to tell my mom that art, art club, <laughs> you know, they take CBD oil, right? Yeah. So there's a huge shift happening, uh, you know, where people, the stigma of being criminal mm-hmm. is lifted. You know, and you speak about um, new users versus existing users maybe uh, exposing themselves or coming out. Um, and I've talked to a lot of uh, different companies that are proposing opening up dispensaries. And it seems to me that everyone's talking about having this really high-end, high-caliber product line. And and one of the thoughts that I've had after talking to a lot of people is, um, who's going to service everyone else? Because because all these existing people don't need the high-end all the time, right? They just think, well, that's my point, right? And that seems yeah. to be what you're doing. Um, I've barely spoken to anyone who says, no, we want to service good product, good service, uh, provide to people who are looking for things. Um, most of the people I, I talk to are, are, it's almost like they're selling Mercedes Benzes and Porsches and you know, we're going to have $300 pipes and we're going to have, you know, and it, there's, I'm sure there's a market for it, but it seems like everybody's, everybody's aiming for that market right now. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this. In Q1 of this year, mm-hmm. I won't tell you what company, but as a public company, we sold, I won't, we sold more than all six of their locations mm-hmm. that exist wow. in 600 square feet. Wow. Of just paraphernalia. There you go. Yeah. I'm sure we could probably guess which company. Um, <laughs> now, I got a question for you about running a lounge. Everyone's talking about lounges. doesn't matter where you are in Canada right now because public consumption is an issue. Um, now, you have a lounge. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. a couple lounges in Vancouver. Um, and I spoke to somebody who runs something called the Coffee Joint in uh, Denver. It's a licensed, the first licensed consumption lounge. Yeah, I know it. Um, now, here's a question, though. Can you genuinely pay the bills um, with a lounge if you're not actually no. selling cannabis? No. So how do you no, do you it? Can't. Um, I've figured it out. It took me a really long time. <laughs> and, you know, the retail end of our uh, of our business is, is really important to the business. The lounge aspect to me is is more marketing, but it's also a, a philosophical, you know, initiative almost, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the, the there isn't a, a huge amount of profit in it, but I do it for the customers, and it's important to me that my customers are are happy and and want to come back. So on that level, the lounge aspect is really important to me. But the reality is, is the retail is you know what pays the bills. Okay, but so- like any business, you just have to figure it out, and if you can't figure out how to balance your books and and understand your, your consumer and what they actually want, your business will fail. doesn't matter if you're selling cannabis or shoes. You know, I always say there's no difference between, you know, crack cocaine and selling diamonds. It's the same thing, right? It's marketing, it's product, and it's location. Mm-hmm. That's it. Are there uh, similar lounges in Toronto like yours? Are, are they competitors or, or would you consider them allies? 
there aren't enough of us to be competitive. So we all really work together. I think right now there's six lounges in mm-hmm. in, in Toronto, if I'm counting right. Um, I think there's 12 in Canada overall. So it's not like there's a huge amount of them, but there are laws in the books that have just come in and every province against them. So we all are working together to figure out how do we get through the next step, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really important that, um, you know, there's conversation happening between all of us in order to survive. And I think that's where the difference between the dispensary market and the lounge market was. You know, we tried really hard for the CFDA to pull the dispensary market together and, and get, you know, get everybody on the same page in terms of, of, of lobbying goals and, and really, like, speaking with politicians about what needs to happen. It was like herding cats, whereas it was lounge owners were very much all on the same page and were all willing to do the same amount of work to get to where we need to be. Perhaps your answer would change uh, in time with changes in laws, but um, what's the right approach to do this as like a private members club or a publicly licensed business? Like what do you do and what do you recommend? There's no difference between a private place and a public place because the reality is is that the laws in the books are against a workplace. So Mm. unless you just have an empty room, you know, with no people. Like an old rave. Yeah, you know what I mean? That, it, that it's like, it's you know, you got nothing. Um, you know, we have our license from the city to sell snacks and beverages. So we do have like a, you know, a blue piece of paper from the right. city. And that's important to have some kind of license that says, you know, somebody likes me. And we just keep, you know, we just keep working it. we got private retail, right? A lot of people don't realize the amount of work that our group at Okra did to get private retail. And the fact that you can consume your cannabis outside of your house in Ontario, mm-hmm. that was us as well. That took us almost five years of lobbying to, to get that across. Is like you can't just have people consuming in their homes. So now the next step is really going back to the city and pushing the city. So we've already had, in Toronto, we've already had um, two motions put through on our behalf. Uh, we had one uh, by Joe Cressy, who's uh, the, the chair of the Drug Policy Committee mm-hmm. of Toronto. So he passed a motion on my behalf that was passed unanimously to have the question of lounges um, go to Toronto Public Health. So now it's in their hands, and they're supporting. They're very supportive of vaping lounges, okay. which is great. And then um, Michael Thompson, who's the, the um, he's the counselor in charge of economic development, passed um, a motion on our behalf to re-examine um, Ontario's rules in two years and see if they work for the city of Toronto, okay. right? So there's two two motions and with time, that the bought us a bit of time. And then there's another motion that was um, moved to the new year because of the, the election um, on my behalf as well to include lounges and licensing. Okay. Tell me about your staff. Um, what kind of staff do you look for and what kind of training do you give them? Yeah, our staff is amazing. So I look for people that I would want to buy something from. <laughs> mm. So if you can't sell me on yourself within the first like 30 seconds of our conversation, mm-hmm. there's really not much point of having the rest of the discussion. Um, I look for people who, you know, who make, make me want to talk to them. Okay. Right. So I, I don't really care if you're male, you're female, your age, none of that stuff really matters. We have a really diverse group of people that work for us. Um, you know, that ranges between 20 and I'd say 45 um, from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different variations of, of lifestyles, right? Um, but the, the common thread is that I, 
I, I want to talk to them, right? And the customers want to talk to them. So right now, we, you know, our, our internal training is, um, is also product and education. We really educate you at the, at the point of sale. Um, we're going to be working with Dr. Ira Price and mm. we're going to be taking his course, my whole staff, uh, prior to applying for our, our retail applications to sell cannabis. And he teaches a course that is, is sort of like medical, cannabis and everyday jargon. So how to explain to somebody what is CBD in everyday talk. Right. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic course. I took it with him uh, a couple of months back and I, I learned so much. So I'm going to put all my staff through that so they have a, a different... I want them to be trained differently than everybody else. Right. It's really important to me that we stand out and that the hot box stays on top of innovation and just always is ahead of the game. Okay, I'm going to check that out myself, actually. Sounds cool. Um, now, I already asked this question, for the most part, about Toronto, but um, for lounge owners in Canada and around the world, is there a collaboration? Do you guys have a private Facebook group where you communicate or anything like that? There's a, a chat. There's <laughs> so a chat. There is. I, there is a chat. It's a very private chat. It's just like a Facebook chat, and everybody that owns a lounge in Ontario is on it. There you go. I thought yeah. maybe so these days... Wants Join. Message me on Facebook, I guess. There's a Facebook group for everything these days. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mentioned this briefly, Bud and Breakfast. What kind of business is that? Yeah, so that's our our business in Jamaica. Okay. We actually started out as a bigger hotel, and then I realized that it's just a too much work. B, there isn't enough clientele to fill a huge hotel. So now we're in a four bedroom villa on the beach in Jamaica, and uh, your bed and your breakfast are included. We run a tour company as well that does um, real Jamaica tours. So we obviously do Gonzo Farm tours. We do Bob Marley um, nine-mile tours. We take you to all kinds of waterfalls, just like really great places. And your bud is included. That's pretty cool. Now, my assumption would be that uh, bud uh, sourced in Canada would probably be as good as bud sourced in Jamaica. So it's probably more about the experience. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Hotbox is all about the experience. That's like our main thing. I, we just want you to, to have a really memorable time, whether you, you sit and have a cup of coffee at our place or you bought a pipe or or you went on a tour, mm-hmm. you know, we just want you to have the most memorable experience and not remember any of it. Cool. Okay. Two last questions. Uh, you were the winner of the lift pitch competition. What was that all about? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so it was, a, you know, I'm a really competitive person. Mm-hmm. And when I saw a competition business, I was like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> so I entered it. I never really got any of my prizes. I sort of like <laughs> got the one prize and made it my own, but um, it's okay. I just wanted to win. So it was, it was kind of good because I got to really practice you know, it's hard to explain, but I'm an entrepreneur that comes from small business. I'm not a corporate person and I don't understand stocks, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I realized when I did that pitch exactly what people are looking for when mm-hmm. they're talking. And I've literally spent the last since, about it's been about a year and a half now, figuring out how, how the other side works, right? Like, how do I talk to a suit that works on Bay Street? What what makes them tick, right? Like, and, and I really... I really honed the craft of it. So I'm really happy I did that competition. And, uh, you know, now I, I actually have, you know, I've, we've merged with this other company and I'm working with, uh, with some, some pretty big people um, that come from, uh, you know, from corporate. And I'm, I'm learning so much from them. It's, 
so amazing to sit with, be able to sit with these guys for like an hour and, and, and just listen to them. And I always tell them, I'm like, it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm not paying attention, but I'm, I'm sucking you in like water. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just learning everything that you're telling me. So uh, just that's my next mission is to sort of learn the next level because I've entered that world. And now I just got to figure out how to make my knowledge work with their knowledge and make it just bombastic. Okay. Last question. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Facebook or Instagram, which one and why? Okay, so Twitter, I've realized when I was trying to figure the the other side of the the business out, I realized that everybody lives on Twitter. I was like, these dudes just live on Twitter, you know? So I started using it more. I've always had an account, hardly ever used it. And now I get it and I, I really enjoy Twitter for like, banter, for conversation, for just letting people know what's up. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, I find is more personal, right? So I try and not post as much, um, you know, as much businessy things on it. It's more, you know, look at my dog. Isn't she cute? You know, mm-hmm. look at my niece and my nephew. Right. Um, Instagram is more just like cool moments in my life. So, you know, three levels, you know, Twitter is like the headline, Facebook, LinkedIn is story. And then Instagram is like, pictures of cool things that you're doing at the moment. What's like, what's happening? <laughs> they know, all serve their purpose. Yeah, they do. And you know, I was at a trade show, um, uh, Hempfest, uh, a couple weeks ago in Calgary and a girl said, you're on Instagram. And I said, yes, I am. But, um, of the three, um, I'm probably on Twitter more. And she's like, you're crazy. Everybody in cannabis is on Instagram. If that's not your first. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I got to spend more time on Instagram. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, it's a lot of work. I, I think- it is a lot of work. I think Twitter is great. Just it's the headline, right? It's like you have so many characters. You have this much of a story to tell. And, and really being able to converse and convey your thoughts in a small amount of words is very effective. Mm-hmm. I just had a, a whole Twitter thing with Terry Lake where I watched him on, on CBC. And then Hexo posted something where I found it really like stigmatizing and just, you know, and I was like, Hexo, why? You're like a legal company. Why do you choose to do this? And then I had a nice little banter with Terry Lake where I was like, you know, it was it was nice to be able to, to know that it's him talking back to me and we just had a nice little conversation and really shared thoughts mm. about a topic that we both find interesting. So I think that's really amazing. I like how you can also sort of casually read people's conversations and banter back and forth. I think I recall that actually. And it's neat. You can kind of follow people and get perspective from a few people on a subject and not actually have to chime in. Exactly. Mm. It's all it's all just there, right? You got your Donald Trump at 7 a.m. saying <laughs> crazy stuff, and then you got me later on <laughs> giving you headlines. Fair enough. Okay. Now, I normally say, how can we find out more about you online? But I can say this. If somebody types in Abby Roach into Google and hits enter, you could literally go into a rabbit hole for days and watch okay. videos, <laughs> listen to podcasts, read articles. So I'm not going to ask uh-huh. you that question. But if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do it? It all makes my phone beep. So whatever <laughs> makes my phone beep, which is like everything. I have I have like 5,000 unread emails. It's nuts. Mm. Email, not the best. But you know what? Twitter, I actually find um, probably the best way to reach me because I can filter through it really quickly and not that much comes through, right? So I don't get that many messages. I don't, you know, like. It's just that's a really good way of uh, of reaching me where it's not as um, intensely like used. Okay, and just to confirm, at Abby Roach is your Twitter handle. That is I. Okay, and before I let you go, I'm going to give you a pro tip here. Turn all notifications off on your phone. Your life will be better. 
I know. I, I now figured out that not only can I leave it on silent, like turn off the, the thing, I can put it on nighttime mode and it doesn't even buzz. Oh, that's wonderful. <sighs> Just like the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's less stressful. It's great. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, uh, speaking to someone like you can have its challenges because, you know, there are so many different things I could talk to you about, but I wanted to get a bit of your life story. And obviously, I wanted to ask you about your experience with lounges because that's certainly something that you specialize in. Um, so yes, it is. I'm grateful for this. I'm hoping maybe one day down the road I can get you back on the podcast uh, for another interview. Anytime. Just tweet me and I'm there. Thank you. I know you have a busy day tomorrow, so thanks for getting me in today. No problems. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Thanks once again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up at CanadianCannabisUpdate at gmail.com. And if you want to find out more about what we do, check us out on Twitter at CanCanUpdate. That's at C-A-N-C-A-N-N Update. Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast-related streaming site in the known universe. universe. The next podcast is just around the corner. Stay tuned. All right, hit it, Amber. Canadian Cannabis Update is a regularly published podcast. We do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but take the time to research the details for yourself.